0: Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that's unlikely to talk about anything royal, but will talk about King by Satyricon, and is hosted by a pair of queens. Um, there's a thought, actually: favorite metal song with a royal word in the title.
1: Ooh, I've put you um, on the spot there, haven't I? You have put me on the spot. Uh, you know what? Is I don't like Berry Tomorrow because I'm not into like that sort of thing. But there was a song called Royal Blood, which is really fucking good.
0: That's quite a good choice, actually. I'm, I do like Berry Tomorrow, actually. I'm not generally into that kind of thing, but I like them. Uh, but, I mean, I am just going to always go with King plus Tyricon because, you know, Dragon Wings, King. Also, it is the catchiest song in heavy metal in
1: 5-4 time. you told me this before. Yeah. Yeah, I... I've never gone into satirical like massively but you've told me that you're going to be able to persuade me on them so I think I am actually because
0: like you you do need to approach them in the right way because if you like introduce them in the wrong way someone might not get them and I've seen a load of people go I don't really get it and then someone put them in context and they go oh no now I get it and particularly Mm. if you've seen them live but enough about royalty for now, because we're actually going to come back to that later. You are listening to Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast. I am Tom Dare, and with me, as usual, is a man who knows nothing about movies, but knows a hell of a lot
1: about black metal, Matt Rushton.
0: Uh, how is the unerring hunt for obscure evil been treating you this since we last met, Matt?
1: All right. I mean, I've got something well mainstream today, are So
0: I? Yeah, yeah, you are destroying your cult cred. Sorry, your cult cred in one fell swoop. Speaking of movies though, actually just before we get started, um, Life of Agony have a new documentary out which tells the story of the band, um, obviously because you know, it's a band documentary, what else was it going to do? And in particular spends a lot of time talking about their very, very early days, which is really cool actually, but also about Mina's coming out. Obviously as Mina's been a guest on the show, I've watched it uh, and I can confirm it is a bloody excellent film some of the early day stuff in particular as i mentioned is really cool like them as kids going to lamour to watch slayer which is this like have you seen get thrashed? i have not. So get thrashed is this uh, documentary about the the thrash scene particularly the the american thrash scene in the 80s and it's really really amazing and if you ha- if you like thrash music at all i can't recommend it enough and it f- a lot of it's like th- at the old clubs that the scene was based in and one of them was lamour's which is this kind of legendarily incredibly violent incredibly territorial club where like if you went on a hardcore night in a metal show you would get your head kicked in and if vice versa and it just sounds like the absolutely the kind of place that I would never have gone but it's kind of it has entered folklore anyway there's a load of stuff about them going to that uh, but there's also uh, obviously a lot of stuff about Mina's life and coming to terms with who she is and being happy and that's really powerful And I I really, I'm kind of full of praise for it. Did you actually know Life of Agony
1: before Mina came out? I don't actually know. Uh, I've known Life of Agony for a while. When did Mina actually come out? 2011, so quite a while ago. 2011. Ah, that's uh, probably not then. I probably just missed it. I'd imagine I sort of first heard of them probably maybe 2012, 2013, that sort of thing. Because I remember
0: Mina... Initially, from the first time I ever heard of Life of Agony was when they did Roadrunner United because they mm. went away for a long time. But when the Roadrunner United project happened, which was like was one really cool, and it's now just unthinkable that anything like that will yeah, ever happen enough. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mina was involved, right? And there was mm. the, the DVD had a lot of people I respected speaking about Life of Agony with enormous reverence and i went oh i need to go and check out this band so that's going that was kind of my introduction i i should probably add having kind of said this film is really good it needs a lot of content warnings like there are some really obviously really frank discussions about transition and everything come that comes with being trans and there's also quite a lot of stuff on alcohol and drug abuse which is not fun uh there's also quite a bit of you know discussion of violence and domestic violence which is really not fun um and also talk of things like mental illness self-harm and suicide so it it take those content warnings into consideration before watching but that said it's bloody great uh and it's very personal and i was really impressed it's called if anyone's interested called the sound of scars which is also the name of the last album uh you can watch it at soundofscars.com. of uh, proceeds are going to two charities one is uh the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is in the States, obviously. Uh, And the other one's called All Out, which is an LGBT organisation, which, so that's cool. Uh, And the film's available to watch until May 3rd. I don't know why it's only available until May 3rd. I just thought they would have made it available for much longer, but presumably it's something to do with hosting costs.
1: That seems to be a bit of a thing now. I've noticed, like, films are just doing limited runs.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I'm keen on that, because it kind of... No, it's a bit strange. If you're busy for those two weeks, you've missed it. But, yeah, it's... Of it. it's their film they can do what they like with it but yeah my i thoroughly recommend it back to royal matters though um because we begin this week with another segment we call peace of mind uh this is where we have a talk about an issue where the queer and the metal have mixed i should say at the start we didn't want to do this episode we had something really really fun planned involving two bands that i really really love that we're doing things that were really cool, and this was going to really be a really happy episode.
1: Uh, and instead, we've got to talk about this shit. Yeah, it's the man on month again, isn't it? They just fucking come along and ruin our plans.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of that was that I know that was kind of two months ago now, but you kind of think, could we go more than two months without having one of these things to talk about? Um, Norwegian black metal as Emperor, I say black metal, kind of the Norwegian black metal band, really the far and away the biggest, um, have announced a thirtieth anniversary live stream called A Night of Imperial Wrath twenty twenty one. It's called they've added the twenty twenty one bit because A Night of Imperial Wrath is the title of their DVD of them playing Vaccan in 20, 2006 which was like their first reunion. They seem to do a reunion like every five years. I don't know whether someone keeps like saying, Oh, it's an anniversary, here's some money or something like that. Or they just get bored or whatever. Um but before we go into talking about why we're talking about it uh, where do you stand on emperor? I don't think I've asked you this, despite being a massive black metal fan. I don't think I know what I think about what you think about them.
1: um no, it's interesting actually, um because it ties very much into what we're about to talk about. I've never gone in on Emperor because uh I only discovered Emperor or like I only got into sort of more extreme stuff after I knew about sort of the whole 2013 2014 run that they had fast right. back on with, and I was like, okay, well, fuck them.
0: <laughs> yeah, well th- we're about to get to that um I Fucking adore them, and it's it. It makes me really sad that I have to say everything that I'm about to say because, like their their four albums, I mean, even Nine Equilibrium actually are just kind of. There isn't anything else like them. People have tried to sound like Emperor and failed, or they've you know they've mimicked a bit of it, but not the rest. There is something absolutely stunningly brilliant about all of those records and Prometheus just sounds like it's from another planet still like that's 20 years old and it still sounds ahead of its time and the first two are just kind of symphonic glory and then Nine Equilibrium is this like weird little thing so i'm really sad that i have to say everything that we're about to say um what they've announced as part of this package and the reason we're talking about this is that they will be joined on the stream by Mortis? Now that I think is fucking cool, right? They've got the goblin back. Mortis was the bass player back in the, the early days, and then decided he wanted to go off into the woods and make kind of evil, <laughs> evil electronic music, and dress like a goblin. Now, if if he is coming back, if he was coming back to wear the goblin makeup and play bass and black metal band, that I absolutely would love. But they're also being joined by Faust. Uh, Board Eaton is his real name. Faust was the drummer on in the Nightside Eclipse and the Emperor EP. He's also a convicted murderer, because on August the 21st, 1992, he stabbed uh, Magna Andreasen to death in the Olympic Park in Lillehammer. He stabbed him 37 times and then kicked his head repeatedly as he lay on the ground. Magna was gay, and the murder took place in a well-known cruising spot. It took about a year for them to arrest Faust and... He was then convicted for the crime and sentenced to fourteen years in prison. Uh, he was released in two thousand three after serving nine years and four months of that sentence. Those facts are kind of not really up for debate. There's no kind of did he do this? Did he did he not do this? It's that's a matter of of public record. This is all confirmed. I'm not saying anything that isn't publicly available information. He has denied any homophobic views or motivation. Ha- how much of what i said was new information for you when you started r- getting ready for this episode and how much was stuff that you had kind of had had drummed into you when you first started getting into yeah. the nasty bits of metal
1: um yeah i uh, i don't think any of this was new to be honest i've i've read all this before because obviously it's relevant to my metal interests on my LGBT interests um it's one of those abhorrent overlaps uh yeah so i'd I'd read all this before and I mean, it never gets easier though, does it? Whenever you go back to it. And especially when it's brought up in something like this and becomes relevant again because of what they're doing now.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately it's kind of like, there's a band that I won't talk about ever. And I've kind of intimated to their existence without actually mentioning who they are basically because the guy's dead, right? He's a very similar situation. Um, Well, it's a slightly different situation in that it seems fairly clear that that was, homophobically motivated because he never made any statement to say it wasn't. So, it it seems a little bit clearer in that regard. But he's dead now. It's fine. The band don't exist. He's dead. I can just say, right, they don't exist. I can skip over them and, and never have to worry about them. In this case, though, it keeps coming up and um, I keep having to fucking read all
1: this shit over again
0: and it's horrible every time you do.
1: Yeah. It's just the way that they've sort of platformed it, isn't it? You know, they've used his name on the poster it seems as though it's like trying to be a selling point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's really problematic.
1: Yeah, I mean, as if it wasn't bad enough anyway then bringing him back. To use that as a sort of money-grabbing tactic is what it seems like. It's, I think it's disgusting. Yeah. It was the same in 2014,
0: though. They kind yeah. of said, oh, we've got Faust back. It's, he was the drummer on the album, so it's authentic. Now, it's I need to come in with a massive mayor culpa here right because in 2014 when they did that 20th anniversary of the nightside tour i saw them twice i saw them at hellfest and bloodstock uh and everything we're about to say and we've just mentioned is stuff i thought them only in back then i bit my tongue and i've i had a platform right i was uh, i was editor at terrorizer i could have said something and i've regretted ever since that i didn't the reason i didn't was that I felt massively insecure in my place in the media and I thought speaking out could cost me a career and I really wanted that career and I took the cowardly way out and I didn't. The other reason was that I had quite comparatively recently stopped being very discreet and, and basically kind of, it, it was quite early in the, at the time that everyone knew. So I wasn't yet confident how well a gay man speaking out on this issue would go down. So... Um, these aren't good reasons. Like these, these are shit reasons. I should have said something. They are the truth, but that doesn't make it okay. So right now, I need to hold my hands up and say, "I'm sorry, I got that one really wrong." There's no way around that.
1: It's understandable. I mean, we grow as people, though, don't we? You know.
0: Yeah, we do. And
1: look, we're we're doing it now. We're talking about it now. This is our platform now. So yeah.
0: Well, the, um, the the difference this time is that I kind of. This podcast is going to continue, whatever happens, right? It's mine. Yeah. If I get no platform by the industry or I get fired, well, I'm in charge. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm in charge. It's it's the two of us together, right? But it's not the situation where there is it, there is I have a a line manager who could get rid of me. Yeah. Which is what I, is kind of the point. I mean, interestingly, had you been in that kind of situation, not directly comparison, but in, in a similar kind of position, how would you have handled it? in the with the in if your platform was kind of mainly old media
1: oh man it's hard to say i mean e- <laughs> look even this like i you know i understood that we had to do this today but like you said at the start we didn't want to we don't no. want to have to do this it's, no, it's horrible yeah i mean but i don't know like it's a sort of responsibility thing now isn't it um you know that we have people that are listening and people that this is going to be important to people that this is going to affect and we sort of have a duty I guess of bringing this to them and putting our views across it yeah
0: and if we don't you know we
1: can't really expect anyone else to frankly
0: although friends of the pod riot act have done so already I think if there's a you know it was it was really good to hear them kind of them speak up because they didn't have to right they could have just ignored it and they didn't so they've already had a say I think they're Obviously, because they're not focused on this stuff, they weren't able to go into the same kind of detail that we're about to. But you know, it's, it was nice to hear that there are allies out there already who are saying, uh, this time we're not sure we're going to stay silent.
1: Yeah, I've seen quite a bit on like social media this week about it, like when um, outlets have been posting the story. And to be fair, most like most of the comments I've seen have been like, no, fuck this. Which, you know... <laughs> I've seen, a lot, no,
0: I've seen a lot of people placed his back.
1: Really? I, I saw that on, because I've seen it on Facebook a few times, like, being shared from Emperor's official page, or Ishan's official page, and, like, in the shared article, it's been a lot of, like, no, fuck this, but, yeah, I went on to the actual original post by Ishan, and, yeah, everyone in those comments were like, oh, yeah, great, and I'm like, oh, no, yeah. come on now.
0: The one thing that everyone's agreed on is Mortis is being back is great, right? That That's the fun bit. It's like,
1: yes, Mortis is a great
0: sign. Why do you have to have the murderer?
1: Yeah, just on that, though, like that's weird, because I, again, not I don't know much about Emperor apart from this, but I looked and Mortis was on the band for, like, a year, right? <laughs> yeah, but he was on the... the it's a. Like,
0: it's, he was on the original, uh, for the, the debut album, and I'm pretty sure he was on yeah, Wrath of the yeah. Tyrant as well. Uh, in, you know, I, th- I think he was on Emperor, Wrath of the Tyrant, and... Uh, in the Nightside Eclipse. I'm now going to check that and f- be found to be wrong. But he was certainly on Nightside because I have vivid memories of getting the album um looking at the back and there's kind of photos of each of them in the corner. Anyway, the one person who did speak up in 2014 was Jeff Walker from Carcass, who, and this is on YouTube, by the way, at least it is until it gets pulled now we've pointed out. Um, <laughs> If you look at one of the kind of um, fan-filmed videos of them doing the granulating dark satanic mills at Bloodstock 2014, you will see what I'm about to say, so it's you don't have to take my word for it. When they were playing, I think I can't remember whether they was sub-headlining or they were kind of in third from the top, but they were very near the top of the bill. Um, Bloodstock, if you don't know, has a, which, and particularly this is going to apply to non-UK listeners, they have a stage named after Sophie Lancaster, right? Who was a, a goth who was murdered for looking like a goth in Greater Manchester in 20, 2007. And there's now a foundation which is set up to essentially stand against discrimination on, on things like appearance, and particularly for members of the alternative community. Jeff Walker, who's never one to hold his, hold his peace, said, uh, we're going to play another song from Surgical Steel. This one's for Sophie Lancaster. And I'm not making a joke now, but the irony tonight is not lost on me and Bill. That's all we can say which is literally the most strong thing I heard in the whole thing. And I, I had respect even more than I ever had for Carcass for doing that because they were clearly treading round fucking themselves over by saying what they did.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's fucking brilliant. And like you say, like, they could have shot themselves in the foot massively there and never been invited back to play. But the fact that they've done it in such a sort of way that I think it's going to be more affecting because people that don't know what they're on about are going to go away and do their own research and sort of then figure it out
0: yeah you hope i mean there's because it's it's
1: a festival there's going to be a load of drunk people just
0: be like yeah sophie lancaster because you know uh, bloodstone everyone does do yeah for sophie lancaster because it's such a it's a barn door right it's it's Mm -hmm. there is no it is clearly supporting the sophie lancaster foundation is just the right thing to do there's no other side of the
1: yeah, album. no, of course. I mean, Sophie's mother is there every year, right? Like yeah. With her own stand and stuff, it's great.
0: Yeah, and they do some really good work, and that like it is a absolute obvious to whatever whatever your political perspective, the right and wrong of it is obvious, and it is you yeah, don't murder people for what they look like. Everyone's fine with that. So saying you know this song to Sophie Lancaster at Bloodsuck just gets everyone saying yeah. Like there's no one who objects to it, and. There's going to be a load of people who are just going to hear that and not pay, not think anything mm. more. But I think you're right, a load of people did go away and Google something and found out something that they perhaps didn't yeah. know. Because it wasn't, like, though it was announced in the press that Faust was playing, on the festival bill, it wasn't made a big deal of. So
1: there would have been a load of people who didn't realise. Yeah, of course. And, you know, caucus as well, not only could they have shot themselves in the foot there, but they you know, we're clearly objecting to this before they got there. Like, they could have pulled out, or they could have not booked anyway, but I think it's a stronger thing to go and play and make that point there, else no one would have heard it, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think with the, those kind of things, it kind of depends on what it is, right? Because I think if they'd like, if they booked a full-on NSBM band, it'd be a bit different. Yeah. Right, if, the, if they or, or if, you know, they'd say, one-off appearance by Burzum guys. You know, <sighs> if it's it if it is a a band whose sole member, or a band whose entire ethos, espouses a certain ideology, there yeah, is, yeah, there is a clear difference between that and one member of the band having a fairly seriously grim past, which most people should object to.
1: Yeah, um, like you say, I think that sort of ties in with the, it not being actually on the poster as well. Because, yeah. you know, Emperor without Faust are not problematic. Whereas, you know, Burzum, like you said, everyone will see that on the poster and know, hang on a minute. <laughs> uh, and when they went to America, of course, they
0: did go without Faust. Because he, you know, he could get into Britain because when we were part of the uh, European Union, freedom of movement meant that as a Norwegian citizen, he had to be allowed into the country. Whereas when he went to America, he would have needed a visa, and they took one look at his criminal war record and went, "No, <laughs> of course not." So Trim, who was the drummer for the rest of Emperor's existence, went instead because you know America just went, "America won't let you in if you've got a serious criminal record." Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Britain would have let in an American with a serious criminal record for that matter, and yeah, you know, that just makes made doing business impossible. But in Europe, people couldn't didn't object. Now we do have to say again that Faust has denied any homophobic motivation. Now, we can't really speculate what was in his heart at the time because we don't have any idea and, you know, speculating isn't helpful. We do have to ask, though, whether or not he was motivated by hate towards Magna Andreas and because of his homosexuality or not. Is that relevant? Does that matter?
1: I mean, bluntly, no. I guess, you know, we're covering it because of the fact that it was you know in a cruising spot and um Andreson approached him for sex and sort of the faust agreed to go over with him but at the end of the day whatever the motivation was he murdered someone in cold blood and I just don't think that that should be, I mean, I don't think it's too controversial to say that I just don't think that right. he should be playing and sort of made a fucking selling point on this poster now.
0: Right, I have this written several times in my notes, like, whatever you say, he fucking murdered a guy. That's exactly. that's the thing that you cannot get
1: away from. <laughs> and on that as well, it's the fact that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've looked uh, several times over the years, I've never seen him show any remorse for it. Yeah, we're going to get
0: to this in a second. I think mm. on the, on the, on the, before we get to that and that's the next item to talk about the, the motivation thing, I think, is utterly irrelevant to whether this is a homophobic crime, right? Because if you take advantage of a gay man's vulnerability within society to murder him, it is as bad to me, you know, in my uh, estimation, as whether you were out to kill a queer right because you've either way you've targeted him because of his status whether it's his vulnerability or because you simply hate him it's the same thing the effect is the same you are taking advantage of the vulnerability within society right that's it's mm-hmm. it, that's what you're doing mm-hmm. and on top of that ultimate when you boil it down he, this man's life clearly did not have any value to him he, whether he was motivated by hate or just opportunism, or opportunism the mm. fact that he went for this guy rather than someone else makes it an anti-gay crime. Well, exactly. I mean, you
1: know, he went home or was going home that night through a well-known gay cruising spot. And, you know, Andreessen approached him and Faust could have said no. You know he could have not gone off with him. He could he have, could just have left not him stabbed alone.
0: him. He could have gone off with him, but not stabbed him thirty-seven times. Well,
1: like that as well. I mean, he could have just said outright no and just carried on walking. You know, he chose to take advantage of this guy's proposal and then kill him. Yeah. No, I agree.
0: Now we do have to say that part of the issue, as you mention, is definitely the lack of remorse. And there, as far as I'm aware, and I have gone looking. Right. Mm-hmm. I have. Looked at this for a number of times over the years, and I've looked at it again this week since it's been announced. I have never seen any remorse. The nice. closest thing I've ever seen was when he was interviewed uh, for a fanzine for a, as part of his other band, Blood Tsunami. The quote that's relevant is that he says, I was a behavioural child who made a fatal mistake 20 years ago, and I have never had any racist or homophobic views. A fatal mistake is not stabbing someone thirty-seven times. A fatal mistake is I got <laughs> right. into my car and I drove to drove a bit too fast and lost control of it. Or exactly. that's not to say that that you know that wouldn't be a serious matter if you killed someone, no. but that is a mistake.
1: Mistake implies accident. This you don't stab someone thirty-seven times by accident yeah. and then kick their head in as they lay on the ground.
0: Yeah, and that is you know that is about as close as I've seen to remorse. I have seen no statement to say. Yeah, I was wrong. I, exactly. I did a terrible thing. I need to make
1: amends for this. Exactly. Even that, you know, what, what, what that quote is, it's still not an apology, is it? Yes, it's very like, not, not an apology. He's not saying sorry. <laughs> he's yeah. saying, yeah, this is, this is what I did. Well, yeah. are you sorry for it? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And this is one that's kind of done the round. Some Like,
0: someone... I have heard that he is a reformed character, right? And it's clear that Emperor think he is, because otherwise they wouldn't have him back. Um, Emperor themselves, to... Quote what Ishan has is saying. Ishan has said, I understand from, the outside of, uh, from an outside point of view, you see a person that committed a crime and then that's all you know about a person. If somebody from your family does something like that, that's just a part of the person you know. We just have to admit to ourselves that we have different parameters for the people close to us than those who are distant. It's just individual perception. We got some criticism, especially for bringing Faust with us on stage. This is obviously in reference to uh, the... 2014 tour uh, people thought that by us doing that we were condoning the actions he did in the past and the potential audience would be condoning it by watching the show with him on stage my reply to that is okay we can all have individual souls and ideas about what is the right penance for a crime Uh, some think the death penalty is okay some think it should be milder but in europe we don't have that death penalty we have a justice system that says this crime you can serve that amount of time once you've done your time you can start over now that was a quote, by the way, that he gave to, I think, the Metal Sucks fo- podcast. I wonder what whether that's a, a fair summation of the situation, personally.
1: I don't know, it's a, it's a hard one, because in a way you can sort of understand that, but, like, I think until he shows remorse, or until he apologises, you are condoning it by bringing him out on stage with you, because I think, you know, I firmly believe in rehabilitation, but part of that process is apologising and recognising your... What have you done? And trying to seek forgiveness for it, exactly. You know, Faust has never done that. Exactly, and the,
0: there's something absolutely critical in in that quote. Right, is that you, the people you know, and people who are a long distance, you are going to have different perceptions of. Mm. Yeah, Ishan. Exactly. That's mm. the whole point. You are asking people at a
1: distance to be fine with something that you are fine with close up. Exactly, and you know, for all we know, Faust has shown remorse to Ishan, and that's why he's doing it. But they both know that we've not seen that. You know, the audience has not seen that. Faust knows that he has a platform. He knows that people know who he is, and he has had the opportunity to do that countless times and has never took it.
0: Yeah, and I think like there was a real missed opportunity as well, right? Like if he'd kind of if he'd come out and shown remorse and shown genuine growth there was an opportunity to say actually people can reform and actually i i made a terrible decision and it was the worst thing i've ever done and i've learned from it and you should learn from my example and not do it Mm -hmm, right in the same way that like some of the best people for stopping young white kids getting recruited by neo-nazis are former neo-nazis because mm-hmm. there there are a load of them, particularly in the States, who will go and work in things like uh, sports clubs uh, and uh, youth groups in America. So people who were part of neo-Nazi movements have now reformed. They will go and work with the people most likely to be recruited to say, I did this shit, you don't want to. You end up in prison. And you end up realising that you have made some dreadful mistakes believe some dreadful things and done some horrible things and you will never forgive yourself. And it's really effective. It's incredibly yeah, exactly. effective. And having him do that would have been an opportunity to send some really positive messages. The fact that he hasn't done it means that we're basically being asked to just be okay because some time has passed. Exactly. Exactly that.
1: Which is not how it works, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah. And on the on the he's not homophobic anymore thing, gal who i would absolutely love to have a chat to because i have i have met him briefly but it was it was kind of there wasn't time to talk about some of the things that i would have wanted to talk about Gull is famously a an openly gay black metal musician and he told i think it was metal injection that the first person to send him message after everyone caught up with him being gay was faust and that he sent messages of support Mm. and that he you know Claim that the, the Norwegian black metal scene now is, is quite liberal when it comes to homosexuality. Now that might be true, but how the hell are we supposed to know? Because it's not coming from Faust. It's coming from, like, if someone tells you something, that's a lot more powerful than someone says someone said something. That's hearsay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'd be good to sort of hear that from Gaal himself.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it was Gaal saying it, but we'd like to hear, hear Faust say it. I, yeah, that's, that's what I meant, sorry. <laughs> Now, as well as the, you know, you're basically asking us to forgive something yourself by saying, please be all right with this guy now. He's totally reformed, honest. He won't talk to you about it and he won't say anything in public, but he's reformed. We promise. As well as so- expecting us personally to be all right with it. You're also testing the black metal scene, right? You're asking the black metal fandom. Are you all right with this guy who murdered a gay guy? and has mm. made no apology because you doing that says that you give more of a fuck with pl- about playing with him than the guy he killed really and that you're asking the scene to, to accept the same thing and yeah, if they exactly. do
1: that's a massive fuck you to people like you and me yeah i mean it's just a horrible precedent isn't it um especially i'm in a genre that's you know does have a lot of problems or has in the past at least had a lot of problems with its sort of liberality um and you know targeting i guess marginalized groups and you know all the different ties it's had yeah it's i mean this whole thing is just really quite hard to navigate isn't it yeah from our side like but that's what i mean from our side but from their side it is seemingly so simple yeah just come out faust and like actually show remorse and actually apologize and ask people to forgive to forgive you and then you might stand in better stead.
0: Yeah, because like neither of us are hang 'em shoot and Bircham types, exactly. right? Like I am a massive believer in rehabilitation and forgiveness. Like they're two things that I consider really important mm-hmm. to my mm-hmm. worldview. And I'm absolutely not saying shit can him for good. That's it. He's must go. We can never see him again. There are ways back, but it has to start with i'm sorry
1: yeah, exactly avoiding the subject is not the way to do it
0: yeah exactly uh, and you know as well the fact that this has happened before that there was someone else who right. got out of prison having murdered a gay guy and everyone was just fine with both of them sends the message that gays aren't welcome here because you're basically saying yeah these bands this music matters more to us than two gay guys who died yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we care more about good riffs than two faggots getting stabbed to death.
1: Exactly. Right. That's not, yeah. that's what
0: it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and that was on the Ish uh, on the Ish-on post on Facebook as well that I saw. Like, it wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. Like what he did. It was just, oh yeah, he's back. Yeah. It's like yeah, but that's not the main thing here. Yeah, I have to say as well that
0: a lot of the media and industry giving him a pass in the past it's not so bad these days but certainly there are a lot of outlets in the past including ones that you know i had a risk i could have changed and i I have to hold my hands up and say i've been part of this problem giving them a pass is that they care more about piss they care more about not pissing off emperor or those working with emperor than the guy the emperor drummer killed that that, because that's what it comes down to right is that people people need the access or they need to have emperor book shows with them or do projects with them or do merch, do reissues of In the Nightside Eclipse. They care more about that than they do about what happened in a park in Lillehammer in 1992, irrespective of how bad that thing was.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't get it as well because, you know, that has happened, you know, and still to a degree is happening. You know, Faust is being allowed to do this. There are other bands and other musicians in those bands that have, you know done some pretty bad things but not murdered someone and they've then shown remorse and apologized but they've still been like cancelled and they are still not been able to come back like why is this guy gonna pass
0: uh f- for example
1: um okay so not really word, but jesse lacy from brand new um was sort of sexually harassing a minor by text um which is obviously horrific and you know apologized showed remorse and i'm not saying he should be allowed back but he hasn't this you know faust has not shown any remorse not apologized, and has also committed a crime and has been allowed back yeah so so, like- so basically what you're saying
0: is that the the person who did a rally really bad thing and should not be allowed back has not been allowed back but then this other guy has just got a pass
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah and like that for me is where i start going now i have to get personal right I have to say this is why I give a shit about this, and it's that because Faust and the other guy kind of got allowed back without very much of a pushback was a big factor in why I was as discreet f- for as long as I was because I just thought Blackmail wasn't a safe to be a safe place to be a gay guy exactly, and that's that's what it ultimately comes down to is that you're sending the message to me exactly that i am not welcome here or at least if i were to be killed here you you would care less about that mm-hmm. than look i can play drums real good that's that's why yeah.
1: i get really exercised about it right exactly we've said you know there are certain sort of genres and scenes in the sort of alternative and metal world where we do feel less welcome and it is because of stuff like this
0: yeah and black metal is a big one and it's exactly. like and it's not just because of the nazis like black metal does have a nazi problem but that's not really the point it's that there are individuals who clearly do not feel that i'm entirely welcome there or at least that i matter less there mm-hmm. and that yeah. i can you know i have interviewed a Norwe- a prominent member of a prominent norwegian black metal band and been told he's not going to answer those questions because uh, my questions were too gay <laughs> yeah uh it's not just these two things happened twice it's that everyone was fine with it and that there are pl- people who kind of go around saying oh no we're not part of the problem and this wasn't like a problematic band it wasn't someone who like killed anyone or did yeah. anything like that and actually the as far as i'm aware the person in particular is, a, is an upstanding member of society with a clean criminal record mm-hmm. So it wasn't like it was a bad, it was a node known bad dude, but I was kind of made to feel additionally unwelcome by that. And it kind because of, because that of how of, casual it was. Yeah. And it goes, well, you clearly don't care that much, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I've, I've heard, I've definitely heard like completely off the record, unrepeatable hearsay stuff about other bands. That's even worse, you know, stuff I can't even say without naming the bands. It's sufficiently potentially libelous. Like they would own the podcast <laughs> quite quickly. Um, but, you know, that's, what, that's where this leads to, is that you get a general feeling of unwelcomeness that actually hurts people. And as we've said before, being discreet, I mean, it's not quite as bad as being in the closet, but it, it hurts you, right? Like having mm. to go, ah, and, and try and
1: think how the hell am I going to get out of this situation without yeah, outing myself. And, is Trying to navigate as in how you actually express yourself as a human being is yeah. just a weird concept.
0: It's a weird concept, and it's frightening, right? like if you course, if you are yeah. genuinely worried about what people's reaction is going to be and it, your fear is not limited to they might not invite me to the cool party
1: mm-hmm. like if it's i'm this might actually be my career yeah that's quite significant exactly and as well like, it boils down to metal is uh, for outcasts we don't need additional barriers
0: no <laughs> yeah we're all fucking weirdos here guys exactly. so, like <laughs> uh, well not all of us but most of us kind of there is a, a, a pattern of people who th- feel they don't fit in anywhere else, finding a place they do fit in in metal. And it's it's really important we don't start saying, "Yeah, but you were, you can't come in," you know, and, and mm-hmm. not because of you've done something, but just because of who you are. Exactly. Not because you're an ass. It's not like you've we, like we've met you, we've tried you out, we think you're a prick. Please <laughs> go away. It's just no, we don't want your kind here. Mm. And also, we hate to repeat what we've already said he fucking killed someone like i don't as much as all we've just said is kind of is true and is important ultimately the reason we're really objecting is that he stabbed someone 37 times and kicked his head multiple times while he lay
1: dying and then evaded justice for a year yeah i mean not that there's like too much of a scale of how heinous murder is but <laughs> if there was this is quite near the top it's it's bad right like it's mm. it's
0: it's you know it, we don't want to start comparing awful crime with awful crime but we can all agree it's an awful crime it's, it's quite a simple it's quite a simple thing and there's a very good reason that a a murder conviction is about as long as a, a jail sentence as you can get if we we generally agree yeah taking taking the life of someone is about as serious a crime as you can get. there might be other ones that are as bad, but we're not going to they're sufficiently bad that we're not going to bother trying to compare, you know compare horrible with horrible. The question though is like it's a reasonable question for people to ask us is, well, what do you want then? Are you just trying to cancel them because yeah, that's not what we kind of think should happen is not an unreasonable one. What do you feel would be the way forward? Apart, I mean, obviously they could, we could just kind of say, right, we're going to boycott Emperor, or we could just get, or they can, Emperor can continue, but they have to get rid of him first, or whatever. That's kind of one way out, but it's it's not a very helpful one, really. No. It's kind of we'd like something else,
1: please. What do you think would be the ways forward? Um, I mean, I think I feel like we've addressed that, you know come out and actually apologize, show remorse, make it sincere. And I'm not saying that's going to solve everything, but it's the first step on the ladder, isn't it? Because yeah. then we can potentially move forward from there. You know, like we both said, we are for rehabilitation and believe people can change, but it's the fact that he's not shown that that's happened. You know, he was only 18 when he committed this crime. He, he's not, You know, he's now over double that. Like, a lot of time has passed where he... You'd hope would have been able to change and grow, but it's the fact that that's not been shown. Yeah. So.
0: And how we suppose if he has changed, how are we supposed to know? Exactly. We, you know, we just take Ishan's word for it. Unfortunately, I don't think something this serious we can
1: do that. I mean, I think he has to, you know, answer some serious questions directed at him as well here. Yeah, unfortunately, we do. Like Ishan
0: and Samoth could have said no. They could have said Mm -hmm. no. We're not going to do that. And like, I know it's their mate, and that's hard, but people cut their mates out of their family all the time when they do bad things yeah.
1: or like we said you know even if it's not no just let us know why we should forgive him yeah. or why we should be allowing this to happen and the, here's the thing right i
0: i do believe people can change and i do believe that there's there is you know there is a way we could have not kind of welcomed him back and held him up as a poster child for something uh, something we value but just say there is a way forward and there is, you know, there is a lesson to be learned here. And we we don't feel that it's entirely inappropriate for him to be touring with, with a band. We probably would rather he wasn't kind of on the cover of Revolver or whatever. But, mm. yeah, there is a way back. You know, I'd be quite happy to interview him myself. I wouldn't, if he agreed with certain stipulations that I'm going to ask about this. And if he doesn't say this, I'm going to follow up with this. So that there's so that everyone is is clear what's mm-hmm. going to happen. I would be willing to talk to him and give him the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, I have remorse. I have changed. And this is how I'd I'd do that. I, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not sufficiently kind of close-minded that I would be totally a- averse to that conversation.
1: I'd really like that to happen, but
0: <laughs> I think it's very yeah. unlikely. No, so. that's what I
1: mean. Like over the last hour, many years, nothing has suggested to me that 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 he'd be willing to do that so no
0: uh, absolutely nothing at all um ultimately though if nothing does happen i think we're going to have to kind of continue to draw attention to this until at least some until at least it's acknowledged you know Mm -hmm. if he doesn't want to talk about it then i'd love ishan to talk to us about it you know that would be that would be the next best thing right is to say okay why should we believe that he's changed
1: yeah exactly because he's the one who keeps telling us to be okay with it
0: yeah um and ishan's a smart articulate guy right it's not like he's he would be unable to hold a conversation about something that's difficult Mm, it's not like you there are musicians out there who think oh if we're going to get into serious issues we're just going to this is just going to be no fun for everyone but ishan is not that guy he's a smart person so and there's no kind of there's no excuse for for not having the conversation because he's not bright enough it's i'm absolutely certain he is probably smarter than i am right absolutely certain probably he's probably smarter than i am so i'd be willing to have that conversation whether or not that you know they would be at all interested i've no idea i didn't bother approaching their people for comment because i uh, unless we would kind of we were offered the opportunity to have the proper interview i'm kind of I wasn't really interested, and we didn't have time for that this week. No, I wear that's not kind of necessarily the best thing journalistically, and if this was the BBC, we'd be getting a slap on the wrist for doing that. But you know, I think under the circumstances, hopefully people will accept what we've done here is kind of the best that we we're able to do at the moment. I think that's probably all we need to say on it because this is kind of getting—it's yeah, a horrible was, conversation, and we haven't had fun nice. doing it. <laughs> Hopefully, though, that's offered a perspective on it. But let's move on to something more cheerful. Yay! <laughs> we charge enthusiastically after that, and God, we need a drink into the Kate Cruguet Bar, which can finally open for outdoor service, and I'm just going to have the biggest <laughs> cocktail with the most fruit you've ever seen. You know, you, you're you a specialist cocktail barman. What's a, what's a really, really fruity cocktail? You know, the kind of thing that Delboy
1: would love. Yeah, um, Singapore sling, mate. Lovely stuff. Oh, tropical gin, as as doesn't well. it? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So I'm too. up for that. I love gin.
0: <laughs> anyway, you probably know what the Hate gay Bar is by now. Uh, Matt,
1: what have you got for the jukebox this week? Um. So yeah, today I uh, I've bought in while well she sleeps. Um, while well she sleeps are a very special band to me. Uh, their debut album, This Is the Six, holds a really quite dear place in my heart. Oh, you my can- first that's the debut. Tattoo. You count that as the it debut? It's their debut. Yeah, The North Sounds For Nothing was not an album. Oh, see, I counted that as an album. It has five songs, Tom. Uh, Yeah. Uh, three of them are interludes. It has eight songs, three of them are interludes. That's five songs, I'm not having it. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, the deluxe edition, though, is like 27 minutes long, and that's kind of long enough to be an album for me. But then, you know, I, I'm with uh, <laughs> Femuris From Darkthrone that and I don't think any album should be longer than... A, one side of a TDK 90. Unless it's Prog. I'd make an exception for Prog. But
1: anyway, sorry, carry on. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so This Is The Six was a like, really special to me and it was my first tattoo. Um, nine years later, they returned with their fifth album, Sleep Society. Um, so we've spoken off air and you said you've never really gone in on While She Sleeps Before. Uh, we've had this album for a while. I was wondering if you'd gone back to any of their other stuff before we talked through this one. Uh,
0: I have. Uh, I, I have to say that I I thought while She Sleeps Were Absolutely Fine. I What I kind of... I scratched my head and went Meh? about. Was that they seem to get people going absolutely nuts for them straight away? And I didn't quite understand. I didn't get that myself. I still don't think that the first few records are very good. Um, I thought Bloody you were having having well, <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. But I'm not going to listen to them more than more than once. I mean, a lot of it it has to said is kind of I I want it either to be heavier or more melodic. If you <laughs> if you're quite to to, to to abuse the um uh, the interview cliche like if they were there were more melodic choruses or the riffs were heavier i would probably have gone yeah but because it kind of fell in this weird in-between spot that a lot for a lot of people was obviously the perfect place right the number of people who went nuts for it clearly says that there are loads of people out there for whom those albums were pitched perfectly i have since gone back and i don't know why but you are we should have done more for me than it did at the time that's a good record and i I did go, yeah, I need to spend more time with this. Mm-hmm. I I we've spoken of then you went are you mad? I liked So What, which apparently is yeah. the album that no, that is really controversial.
1: Yeah. Well so yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, I love the debut, Brainwash the fellow was Riff Central. Um You always fucking brilliant and really good at incorporating like their more melodic side. Yeah, and that's the bit that I liked, right? That yeah. was what where I went, Oh, this is good. No, exactly. Um So what lost me a little bit because Not to sound too harsh, but I think a lot of it sounded like You Are We B-sides with electronics that, for the most part, don't really work, in my opinion. They have Um, been
0: listened to Bring Me The Horizon, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but I feel with this album, they're sort of back on track. This sounds almost like a halfway house to me between uh, You Are We and So What. The songs sound more original. And there's more variety and I think the electronics that they use here are actually used really well because they don't sound like they're reaching for something else.
0: No, they sound like natural parts of the songwriting, don't exactly, they? Exactly,
1: exactly. Like before it is it felt a bit forced. Yeah. And this yeah, this seems natural. Um the song's just really cool and there's a couple of really cool guest features. Um yeah, so I'm really happy that Wise Sleeps are back at it.
0: Uh Tom. I this is great. Like there's no there's no kind of equivocating we do before we get to the good stuff though and we are going to focus on the good we have to briefly do the elephants in the room because there are two of them right it's called <laughs> sleep it's called sleep society because they basically said that the sleep society is this revolutionary new way that they're going to be able to sustain the band era where people don't pay for music right it's a patreon okay <laughs> it, it is a patreon it is i'm absolutely fine with bands having patrons i think that's a really completely legitimate fair reasonable way to support yourself in the 21st century and i think that the way that they are structuring the patreon seems to me a hell of a lot better than a load of bands before them have done fine with all of that but the press releases have been hilarious these kind of things that are printing this is this revolutionary new thing that a lot of the um digital media has been doing for like seven years like patreon Mm. is an old thing now so uh, let's get that out of the way the describing this as this revolutionary thing sounds quite silly moving on from that the last song is god awful and there's no way around it it is god awful it's meant it's this basically them with this little piano motif that's repeated for seven and a half minutes talking about how great their fans are and how their fans have enabled them to do amazing things that they could never imagined they are clearly writing that as a love letter to the fans and it's clearly coming from a really nice place, and it doesn't sound like that at all. It sounds like something quite different, and it's really and just on a purely musical level, it's mawkish nonsense, right. There is no way around it. that is one of the worst things I've ever heard in a metal record up there with the kids' choir on Who yeah. We Are by Machine Head yeah. and, include, and including the second the um like half an hour instrumental section of um humankind by um Nightwish is it humankind was that what it's called uh oh, i don't know i'm not the man to ask am i <laughs> oh, i keep forget- it's got such an unmemorable title i keep forgetting its title it's it's one of the worst albums i've ever heard uh, uh, overall uh human nature sorry that's it human <laughs> human full stop uh colon I. I colon nature full stop like terrible album and it's like it's it's terrible album and it finishes with this like half hour instrumental nonsense that is awful like this is as bad as that the rest of the album though is totally brilliant and you should just like listen to it and not listen to the last song
1: yeah um yeah i've listened to this album what like 10 12 times now and only on my first listen did i actually get through that song (laughs) i tried to get through it
0: twice more and failed mm, yeah. but i've i've voluntarily when i haven't needed to gone back and listen to this load. the album is fucking great yeah huge songs really big choruses the melodic lead guitar lines are absolutely superb and they're the thing that gives it that that repeat listen thing right it's mm-hmm. not just you listen to it two or three times you've got all the choruses you can go at the live show and that's all you need to do like going back and experiencing those lead guitar lines again and again and again is the thing that's Made me go, wow! This is great. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is still growing on me now. I mean, the second song on this, "You Are All You Need," which was, I think, also the second single that they released from it, is not only a fucking monster riff, it's also one of the best choruses they've ever written. You know, the first time I heard that song, I had this chorus stuck in my head for days. The bridge on that, though, loz I have to give a shout out to. He's come a hell of a long way with his clean vocals.
0: Yeah, his clean vocals are just yeah, like
1: they are, they are unrecognizable
0: from a decade ago.
1: Exactly. Like, it used to be just Matt who would take the sort of clean parts, but Loz can actually sing now. You know, yeah. Fox, and he's been through a lot with his vocals, with all the surgeries out to have and everything, so I'm really happy for him on that front.
0: Yeah, and it's it's always really good when someone like has vocal problems and comes back and improves, right? Because yeah, it's but... like, one, on an emotional level, you always want that to happen for a singer, because you think, God, how awful would it be if you were a singer and that was a really impar- important part of your identity and you lost it. But to, to not just to get through it, but to come back and improve, you just go, yeah. Yeah, he sounds great here. Round of applause for that
1: man. Systematic is oh, the song for me, I think. The chorus on Systematic, you know, the bend. Oh, is that on your favourite? I don't know if it's my favourite. No, it's not my favourite, because I'll come to that in a bit. But the okay. bend on the riff in Systematic in the chorus is it's a great filthy riff. as fuck it fucking well turns me on I mean all the gang vocals on that one too you know you can really imagine this one particularly like really going off in the live setting especially with the electronic break as well I would imagine
0: America would go absolutely batshit yeah, for this exactly. this is the
1: kind of thing where you, go, you listen to kind of big
0: American metal bands and what does well in the US right and you go mm. the kind of the bounce and the pump and the groove on that riff is I go yeah. n- not only is that really good but if I was uh, someone in America I would be getting him on every fucking tour I could yeah.
1: I mean that electronic break um, is just wall of death territory and yeah. there's turntables I told you Tom the new metal revival is happening yeah let's get past that um,
0: <laughs> I want to talk about Biffy Clyro because I've ne- almost never said anything nice about Biffy Clyro because I don't like them mm. at all the song with Simon Neil on is, is for me the best song on the album I know it's, it's the huge. single and you'll all have heard it by now but like the, the chorus on that is just massive
1: yeah it's that's an arena fucking stomping chorus isn't it
0: Yeah it's absolutely that is kind of radio hit territory it's the kind of thing you hear and you just go immediately well that's built for the mainstream mm. audience and would still do well at, at, at a metal show right it's kind of yeah. that is heavy and accessible and it's not kind of compromising to anything that's just ha- what they've chosen to do yeah, they've exactly. just written this thing which is really fucking catchy and it's also really heavy and there's no f- kind of there's no compromise it's just great
1: talking of guest features as well, well what do you think of the Sun 41 song because <laughs> i mean it is basically a some 41 song with a couple of Washy verses which is very weird mix but you know yeah. I, think I bloody love some 41 i mean i like some 41 too in fact i saw
0: some 41 blow system of a down off a stage once <laughs> reading 2003 yeah, Three. <laughs> the, yeah reading 2003 where system of a down were kind of they were they would steal this album era which was kind of not the best era for them because they were playing a bunch of songs which weren't quite as good as their other songs and they knew it. But it was still really... They were still kind of decent, but it was it was kind of... I wasn't entirely convinced that they liked each other by that point, which we now know they definitely don't. Uh, but... Like for for some forty one on before them to just absolutely eat them was really impressive. Some forty one were fucking brilliant that day. They got slightly demolished by Metallica after that, but Metallica Reading two thousand three is just mm. a show that has lived with me for twenty years. Um, but yeah, I think that song's all right. It is one of the more more. I can't remember this songs in the album.
1: Yeah, fair. Um, Call so of my the my Void. Stand-out. Yes, 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 yes. My standout song.
0: Yeah. So this is the one where they've got like loads of their fans to sing on it, right? And yeah. that's you go. That should be the last song. That should be the tribute to exactly. the fans, not the last one, because that works
1: beautifully. It's incredible. That song is like two or two albums this week. Actually, we'll get to the other one in a bit. But yeah, the last song, the last proper song, <laughs> is a standout for me. Um, You're just ignoring that the uh, end. <laughs> the reason
0: we call it the last song. We don't name it. Is it's it's written as DN33HT, which is the is if you invert it, looks like the end, and it's also their postcode. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it just looks like kind of. I'm in the sick form now. I've got a graphics calculator and look what it does. Yeah, it's if when you go type backwards.
1: boobies on it upside down.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's like the sixth form version of that, isn't it? Because you've got <laughs> cause you've got the calculator that does text as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
1: it's that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I've loved this band since their debut EP. You know, since the North Sounds for Nothing, whatever you want to call that. I've never at any point thought that they could be an arena band. Um, you know, very rarely does this sort of music sort of end up there. But yeah, Call of the Void has literally had made me reconsider that. It's fucking huge. The chorus is a legitimate anthem. And it's more of a rock approach than the rest of the album. But I think it's the type of track that's going to bring in a new fan base to the band. And like you said, bringing in the fans in that song as well really helps with that. I think as a gateway step, band, I really think that they should release it as a single. Uh, I would hope they do release it as a single because
0: it is, I mean, it definitely has arena potential. And it is just on a kind of, is this good? It's fucking great. But I think we've spent a lot of time on uh, While She Sleeps, Sleep Society. That album is in the jukebox now. Uh, and we should move on to my pick this week, which is Bewitcher, Cursed Be Thy Kingdom. And if we were going kind of quite relative, you know, comparatively young and credible for anyone who's going to be big, this is kind of, this is as old school as you can get. Bewitcher are kind of proto thrash slash speed metal with a kind of black metal tinge. Basically, imagine if Tribulation listened to nothing but Kill 'Em all and welcome to hell for a year solid and then did an album, right? That's such but, a good shout. <laughs> yeah, could, like, there's so much Tribulationisms, but it's <sighs> kind of... It's, it's that thing where they've taken something which is old and kind of predates the existence of extreme metal and filtered it through extreme metal aesthetic. And it's, it ends up sounding like kind of the pre-black metal... Uh, venom or the first petalica record and it is like if you think that sounds fun it's way more fun than you think it sounds Mm -hmm. it is like fast memorable riffs with bags of energy really really well performed it's not just kind of sloppy you know we want it to sound like it's 1982 this actually sounds well made and well produced and i'm it's oh i am so in love with this album
1: Yes, um, I had been really looking forward to this one actually, uh, based on the first couple of singles that they released from it. Yeah. So as soon as this dropped in my inbox, I put it on straight away, and yeah, my God, uh, um, I have a problem with this record, and it's just that I cannot stop listening to it. This it's, it's outside my usual wheelhouse. It? It's it is because it's it is well tried, like you say, but like Jesus Christ, every single song is so catchy. Like, yeah, the riffs are unbelievable. This sounds like a modern classic to me. I mean, just the actual guitar tone itself is so classic sounding.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't sound like it's not atavistic, right? It's not no. pretending it is 1982. It's <laughs> no, exactly. actually well made and well recorded. And mm-hmm. the guitar tone sounds great, rather than just kind of my cab is fucked. It's like it sounds good. <laughs> it just sounds kind of it sounds like it's pay- nodding to the yeah. era, which it's clearly inspired by. It's a beautiful kind of Way of
1: bringing the modern in, bring the old into the modern. Yeah, I mean, some of the recent, like the Gallop on the lead single, is it? I think the lead single, uh, "Satanic Magic Attack." Yeah, that song is pure Sabbath worship, which you know I'm never going to complain about. But one thing that really stands out on that song as well is the chunk on the bass. It's so high in the mix, and it really works to give that song and yeah, pretty much the full album. To be fair, it just gives it so much punch.
0: Yeah and it's like the whole thing it it has that punch right it it makes your foot tap it makes your head bang it has loads of momentum and drive and it makes you feel like you're 738 feet tall it is just kind of one of those energizing i i am i can take on the world now records it's so so powerful it's just like in terms of muscles not in terms of kind of oh we're really emotional thing
1: it's so great i love it yeah man it's got some really cool extra flourishes as well um sort of tie it together into a really nice, complete package. Uh, the intro yeah. of Mystifier sort of comes in with that organ-type intro. It's great. Uh, the yeah, which chimes... well, makes it sound like it's going to be something else, doesn't it? It sounds yeah, like they're completely. about to go
0: well goth. Mm-hmm.
1: The chimes all over Valley of the Ravens and the super bluesy guitar solo on that one out of nowhere. And then at the beginning of The Widow's Blade, it sounds like there's a talk box, <laughs> which is very strange, but it really works.
0: Yeah. I think we also have to give a huge amount of credit to um Unholy Weaver of Shadows and Incantations which is the stage name for uh, Matt Litton the <laughs> the singer slash guitarist who's that's brilliant. like his one his guitar playing is fantastic and you know that's really holds everything together i think as mm-hmm. much as everything else and the riffs are fucking great and the fact that they've taken such a a kind of a relatively simple form of metal but managed to speed it up and still make it really really catchy rather than just be kind of just be a base to you know B-A-S-E, a, a, a foundation of the structure is really impressive but his vocals man like that i got i was kind of go why do i love his vocals so much you know it, yes it's kind of you can hear the lyrics and the hooks are really good but it's not just that and yes he sounds croaky and evil but what is it oh he sounds quite a lot like abbath that'll do it because Immortal, obviously <laughs> being my favourite band of all time, it's not quite that frosty and it's not quite that yeah. that deep. But yeah, you know, like I heard this and just went, yeah, these two would pro- have probably got the same record collection. <laughs> I don't know if he's actually listened to Immortal at all, but like knowing what Abbott listens to, like how much he loves Motorhead and Venom, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if the bands that they've grown up on are fairly similar, and that that's why they've kind of ended up with a similar kind of delivery. But it's a, it's so. It does exactly the same thing that Abbott does when he's not trying to do epic, which is that it's just kind of... It just is catchy and sounds evil at yeah. the same time. No, and exactly. you can still hear what he's saying. And I, yeah, I so much, so, so much praise for just everything about this album, but particularly the vocals, because... This kind of vocals, where it is a croak, it can be incredibly dull and monotonous,
1: right? And it's yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah. It's interesting as well, actually, because I didn't know until you just said that the vocalist is also the guitarist, um, yeah. which makes a lot of sense, because I was going to say the vocals follow the guitar melodies a lot. Yeah, and also the there, riff, which- yeah, which is one of those tropes that I'm a bit of a sucker for. Um, yeah. So that all makes sense now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the bit in Satanic... You mentioned Satanic Magic Attack, which it, yeah. for me is one of the two best songs in the album. It, you know, where it goes, Satanic Magic Attack. Like, he's following the riff yeah. r- rhythm uh, perfectly. And it's like, he's so perfectly in time. And I think the fact that he's doing both of those... Both parts is partially why it's so kind of perfectly in tune. Because you know he's feeling it rather than necessarily thinking about it. Yeah
1: um my standout track for this is the last song here, yeah sign of that's fucking Wolf. great too it's unbelievable i mean yes it is literally just the riff from metallica's all nightmare long but that is a very no it's riff. not you take that no, back it is
0: no it's not tom it, it is it, it, it might be it might be parallel evolution but it's not that sloppy he is he's <laughs> like he's uh, the same riff it, yeah but it's but ba- it's better recorded <laughs> yeah it's very it's, recorded. it's it's similar it's similar, but it's not the same it's no no Death. i mean death magnetic as time's gone on i've I've hated more and more because like it's one of those albums that you go back to and you just hear the flaws more every time yeah. and it's it's like i i don't want to be don't put that into my head it's nothing to do with it <laughs> I do not want to think about that badly recorded awful sloppy mess yeah you know, that, that kind of that kind of first attempt at making baking a pie al- in album form come on now. No, it is. It's like it's like you know. If they if MasterChef had like the X Factor contestant thing where they have the the people who cannot sing and they laugh at them, and but they had that with baking, right? That is what Death Magnetic is of an album. I do not want to be thinking of that while I listen to this fucking perfectly formed, okay, fine, beautiful fine, fine. curry.
1: Anyway. The it's the way on that song that the vocalist manages to carry the melody through. You know, he's not screaming, like you said, it's a it's a sort of it's a croak, croak sort of thing, yeah. Uh, but it's you know it's not a clean vocal. No, but he no, makes no, no, his fine. he makes all the vocals. Oh my god, don't do that! That's well weird in my ears. It, <laughs> sorry, he makes all his vocals sound really catchy, which is well impressive. i um, this song is an absolute earworm, and I'm already just really looking forward to the follow up from this band.
0: Yeah, I mean it's their third album, and so I would absolutely encourage anyone who likes this to go back and listen to the first two. But they've currently kind of, are they as good? Uh, I th- I think they're. I don't think they're quite as well recorded uh, uh, because they're on century media now so they've probably got a bit more money um i'm going to go listen to those after we record i think they're bloody good this kind of i think this to me marries up the eras perhaps a little bit better the older ones are a little bit more old school but they are bloody great still so you know i I think this i would say this is their best record i think but you know it's very good it is very very good Um, But we've probably got the gist of that. Curse be thy kingdom by Bewitcher is in the jukebox now. And while we will have more music for you next week uh, in the shape of two very, very different records, possibly even more different than this week, that is Time at the Hate Crew Gay Bar. Uh, And that's... a about all we have time for this week matt i would say this has been great as always but i think we've both had a pretty horrible time until we got to the hate cricket <laughs> yeah
1: hopefully back to a normal show next week i mean whatever that means but yeah hopefully no other no other abhorrent shit
0: i don't think we do normal but at least we can. No. You know, if we can cheerful and weird would be better <laughs> um but we will be back next week with a much happier show we hope until then listen to while she sleeps Listen to Bewitcher, and remember, it does get better. See you
1: later. ta